0: Meet the people who make Burning Man happen, beyond the desert and around the world. The dreamers and doers, the makers, shakers, and innovators, the artists, activists, freaks, and fools. Burning Man Live. This is going to
1: take a the going to
2: Hey, friends, visible and otherwise. You are listening to Burning Man Live, and I am still Stuart Mangrum. This time around, we're going to talk about art. One of the biggest impact areas of of Burning Man culture, any way you slice it, is in the realm of the arts. I think it's a pretty interesting story, because having been outsiders in the art world for so long, we have generated our own alternate art reality, our own uh, ecosystem, that includes all of the things or variations thereof that you might find in the mainstream art world. There are collectors who collect Burning Man art. There are learning opportunities, whether you think about that as maker spaces like uh, like Generator, if you think about it like learning spaces like Crucible in Oakland, or DIY art collectives like Flaming Lotus Girls, where you can learn the skills to create the art while you are creating the art. It is a complete system and, and also includes some funding sources. Burning Man Project has, over the years, spent millions of dollars on grants to artists. Every year for the last few years, about a million dollars has gone to help promote art in Black Rock City and off the ply as well through our global art grants. Until this year, actually until last year, because we were not able to build Black Rock City in 2020, and we will not once again be able to build it in 2021. But thanks to some very generous philanthropy, Burning Man Project is going to be able to fund the projects that were greenlit for last year's event to the tune of about a million dollars. This is this is huge. We're talking 59 art installations from eight countries, 14 U.S. states, and in every one of those places burning man is going to be happening in 2021 bringing the art to the people and supporting our artists who genuinely need and deserve the money to keep creating between now and black rock city 2022 so to find out more about all of this andy and i spoke with someone in burning man's art department who goes by the playa name weapons grade i know that sounds a little scary she's also gloria hi gloria beck
3: hi how are you doing Stuart?
2: I'm doing good at, and I have to ask client names. You got to tell me what's the story behind weapons grade?
3: Oh my gosh. Well, one a member of my crew, when I first got brought on as the uh, assistant manager for art support services, he said, Well, I always did appreciate some high grade estrogen. And uh, I know
4: exactly who that is.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: Love I think this. we've had
2: him on the show. Is from effort. Texas by any chance?
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it started out as high grade. And the minute I stepped on Playa, somebody morphed it to weapons grade and I felt like sold, done.
2: <laughs> okay, well, thank you for indulging me.
3: I am senior project manager with the Burning Man Art Department. Among other things, I manage art support services, which is the team that works with the artists on Playa. And I oversee the installation of over 400 artworks annually in Black Rock City and beyond.
2: Wow. So in a normal year, God, I miss normal years, but in a normal year, you'd be getting ready to go out to the Playa. What does that look like on the ground? What is your team? How do they operate?
3: We have about seven squads and we operate out of the artery, which is the art department's home base on Playa. But we go out into the field and work directly with the artists and interface with them in sort of like a just-in-time manner mostly interfacing with heavy equipment the heavy equipment team, but also some of the other services that artists need and use on Playa. So when you make big art, it
4: requires big tools to do the scale of stuff that you do out there. Forklifts, cranes, variable reach, cherry pickers, all that crazy heavy
2: stuff. Which is kind of an art form in and of itself, isn't it? Driving heavy equipment. I want to talk about the honorarium. Every year, every normal year, Burning Man funds are to the tune of you know a million dollars. That's artists all over the world. It's seed money for their projects. Uh, last year, we, we started that process and then we had to hit the brakes on it because obviously the event didn't happen because of COVID. What happened with the artists who were in that process as it was unfolding and then hit that hard stop?
3: Yeah, that was a that was a rough patch, wasn't it? It's kind of continues to be a rough patch, but luckily it looks like we're moving in the right direction. We couldn't move forward with our honorarium grants for the 2020 grantees. So the group that we'd already selected, we rolled them forward to 2021. We basically said, You're still our honoraria, and we will extend our grants to you to bring your art to the playa in 2021. Of course.
2: But now there's no 2021. So what happens now?
3: Yeah. So on we go. Good news is from grants given to us from generous donors, we're able to cover the entire grant program for the 2021 artists. We are giving grants to those artists as planned in the vein of art is going to happen no matter what which is super exciting. Instead of rolling the honorarium grants forward another year, we're actually giving out the grants, using those donated funds, letting artists make art and do what they will. Now, a lot of them are planning to start building this year in 2021 and take their art somewhere out into the world to a civic setting, to a regional event, something like that a whole bunch of them still want to bring their art to Black Rock City in 2022. So that's going to be pretty exciting next year. It's going to be not only the artists who are building this year based on the grants that we're giving out for 2021, but we're also going to have a completely new honorarium grant program. So 2022 is going to be a banner year on the playoff for art.
2: <laughs> Extra art, bumper crop. Bumper crop.
3: Yeah, What was it like you had to work with these artists before who didn't
4: know if they were coming to Black Rock City or not? A lot of them seemed to assume it was going to happen. And then how is it working with them right now, figuring out what they're going to do?
3: Yeah, we have a, a team of project managers that work individually with the artists to help them with their plans. There's a lot of excitement out there. There's some relief. I think most of them are eager to keep building art. They're artists. That's what they do. It's been hard being locked down. A lot of them have been unable to gather their usual crews and and build art in the way that they're used to building it. Some of them have been able to move forward with projects in the meantime. But um, I think in combination with the opening up now that people are getting vaccinated and people can start coming together, combined with getting the grants, there's a lot of enthusiasm out there. So we're talking to each one of these artists about what they want to do and how we can best support them.
2: So did anybody just say, uh, hell no, I'm sorry, I just can't do this, even though we were going to give them some money, they politely declined?
3: Yeah. I mean, there were people who had already declined before we received the donation that is allowing us to give these grants. There were people who bowed out for a variety of reasons. You know, COVID took its toll on people right and left. and, And that factored into, I think, a lot of the reasons why some people just felt they couldn't make it happen.
2: Yeah, I know a lot of these big projects require really big teams to pull off, and that's got to be a huge challenge coming out of a quarantine. How many people does it take to build a giant piece of sculpture for Burning Man or something like it?
3: Oh my God. Well, it can be just one artist doing their thing, but some of the temple crews get up to in the hundreds, maybe a hundred and 20 plus people on Playa just for the assembly on Playa, not counting all of the hundreds of people who come in advance to help build before we even get to the Playa.
4: And we don't ever fund the entire project anyway, right? So they also have to have a fundraising team and people to help with their publicity and feed their folks when they're working together and all the other things that it takes to make a crew go.
3: Absolutely. You hit on a lot of the big ones. It takes a village, (laughs) it really does. So there's a lot that goes into it. We fund typically up to about 50% of the project budget with the grant. It does leave a lot up to the crew and the community to figure out how to raise the funds and get it out there.
2: I imagine there's also people who are having to change their approach a bit. In a normal year, we expect artists to execute pretty much as they have said they're going to. Are we giving people a little bit more slack This year, a little more execution leeway?
3: Yeah, we had been talking to a lot of the artists about what they could accomplish. You know, a lot of things have happened during the pandemic. Materials costs have gone up exponentially. So many of the original plans are difficult to execute now on the original budget. When we were still planning toward a 2021 event, we were talking to the artists about what they thought they could manage. There were a lot of things that were impacting them. The cost of materials going up, inability to bring crews together because of COVID. We'd been already discussing what did they think they could still do with the original grant. And now we're opening up even further and saying, hey, if you can't bring it to Black Rock City, that's fine. We just want there to be art in the world. Whatever, wherever you can bring it, please do and let us know how we can help make that happen.
2: Tell us more about where all of these proposals come from and what the spread is of folks that we have helped facilitate their art. Where are they?
3: The 2021 grantees are from all over the world. They represent 14 different US states and eight different countries. Artists from as far afield as South Africa, Indonesia, and the Philippines.
2: So we have confirmed something like 59 artists? That's right. Cool, and they're all getting these Burning Man grants to build art somewhere in the world. Anywhere, just not necessarily in Black Rock City, right?
3: Yes, although we will see a lot of them in 2022.
2: Very cool. Let's talk about a few of the specific pieces.
4: Yeah,
3: can we talk about Cosmos
4: by Jen Lewin? I'm excited about that one.
3: Well, Jen has been bringing art to Black Rock City for a number of years, and her pieces just continue to get more beautiful, more magical. This is like a LED lit platform that people can play on and dancing and playing on them causes the light patterns to change and glow in a beautiful array of colors. I love her work. This one's super exciting because she's combining a piece that's already been to the playa called Pool with her new traveling sculpture called Aqueous. It's going to take components of that combined with a new version of the pool that's been rebuilt with this dichroic film on top so that during the day it will reflect the sky above and the sun so it's going to really look cool both day and night.
2: Let's find out more about Cosmos uh, from Jen herself. Andy got a chance to speak with her. But it sounded something like this.
5: I went to Burning Man for the first time in the 90s. In the art community, I heard a lot of people talking about it. I ended up at grad school at Tisch School of the Arts at NYU, and Leo Viarell was one of the professors, and he was talking about Burning Man. That piqued my interest and started coming in late 90s, and then immediately was inspired to build sculptures. The first project I brought was in 2005, and I've been bringing artwork since. Part of, I think, my attraction to Burning Man was really this sort of root desire to really create participatory, engaged artwork. And Burning Man is an amazing place to test work and to see that kind of engagement. But I also wanted to bring it all over the world. I wanted to take it, you know, to public exhibitions where everyone was there. And so once I kind of landed on that vision, I I just, I couldn't, I don't think I'll ever be able to stop. I'm um, really passionate about this idea. I think engaging in creating community around public art is awesome. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about humanity. And I expect to do that for the rest of my life. Love it. Love it. So the piece in specific, tell me about the philosophy or your
4: artist statement for Cosmos.
5: Uh, well, Cosmos is part of a series of works that actually dates back to a piece I called The Pool, which went to Burning Man for the first time in 2008. These works are ground-based pieces that you play on and run on. They create these sort of playgrounds of light. Cosmos is the largest I've ever made. It's 15,000 square feet. So it's this massive playground of art. And the idea is that people can come in and splash and play with light. Through that kind of participatory experience, they have this really playful moment for themselves, but they also get to have a community experience because the pieces are so big that you can play with lots of people. Especially when we put them in public centers, you see your friends and you hang out with your friends, but you end up actually seeing everyone else too. And so you have this connected community experience. So Cosmos comes from that series of works. I have another piece called Aqueous that came to Burning Man in 2017. And Cosmos is kind of the third version of it. And it's just very large sculpture that's quite modular. It has some areas that are platforms. It has some areas that are more pods, lily pads that you can jump around on and it also has this daytime element where it's built with a refractive coating such that during the day it sort of shimmers and then at night it becomes this illuminated play space. So
4: did you originally conceive of Cosmos to be built in Black Rock City?
5: The original Cosmos was funded by the Japanese railroad, actually, with this desire that it come to Tokyo. But as I was building it, I immediately came up with this idea of um, moving it then back to Bernie Man. So, and it's quite a large piece to move. So that's (laughs) easier said than done.
4: (laughs) This year, as the process started to unfold that we might be able to go to Black Rock City, the art department reached out to you and asked if you wanted to come.
5: Yeah. And I, I had been holding on to that idea with a lot of hope. I have a small team and there's five of us. The students, we were all very excited to be back in the studio, working with our hands and actually building. We actually have a small portion of it, maybe like a seventh of the sculpture, is currently in Domino Park in Brooklyn right now, and that's been really lovely because there's been families and kids out on it every day, and everyone's shooting TikTok videos after 8 p.m., which has been wild to watch as well. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been, you know, with the weather clearing up here and people having something that they can do outside that's been safe, that's been really nice to be part of. Okay, so now we know we can't have Black Rock City.
4: What will you guys do this year with Cosmos?
5: I think what it'll do is try to find another public spot that it can go to, possibly even talking to Bernie Man, working with them on something like that. I think that just seeing even just the small version we have in Domino Park right now and The feedback from the community and people just so thankful that they have something that they can go and do that's bright and colorful and joyful and playful. It must be
4: so fun to sit and watch people interact with your works because I've watched various videos and I've experienced these kinds of works where you walk past it and you think nothing of it. And then you're like, wait, something just happened when I touched that or I saw that guy and he walked into that section and it lit up. And then it starts to bring groups together. I imagine that's even more fun in public where strangers don't necessarily always interact.
5: Yeah, no, it's wild. Yeah. And then the the element of social media, the video making has been incredible because we're just now watching everyone make videos and they're choreographing things and creating these (laughs) really fun and amazing videos. It's almost like art and creating more art, which has been also very, very wild to watch. One of the things that's interesting about the work is that its presentation is quite playful and can seem actually pretty simple, but there really is a huge and massive technology underbelly to all of this that's created in house. And we spend, even just in this last year, and one of the other tasks in shelter in place is rewriting all of our software and spending an enormous amount of time just developing the technology. We tend not to sort of showcase the highly complicated level of what's behind the work. And we don't show off all the custom software and all of the whiz-bang technical things the work does, but it is there. And it, it's meaningfully part of the process of what we do, and it's really core to my team. I sometimes forget to talk about how awesome of a team I have and how awesome it is that we're actually really inventing and creating this in-house. The logistics, too. Yeah, how do you move a piece around like this? What kind of crates does it go in? We fly it in planes. That alone is, is pretty wild. Awesome.
4: That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, 15,000 square feet is big. That's a lot of
5: boxes. Oh, my god. It's a lot of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of systems, too, because you have to have inventory systems and ways to pack it and ways to repair it and ways to document it. So there's all these processes that require technology. I wouldn't be able to be the artist I am if it wasn't this time and day for me to be able to access and use all of these amazing technology systems.
4: Art's going to happen no matter what.
5: And we're excited about
4: that. So thank you for joining me today.
5: Yeah, you too.
2: Gloria, another one that caught my eye, probably because I'm a giant book nerd, is Unbound by Jules Nelson Gall.
3: Yeah, that's a good one for book nerds, for sure. <laughs> it's essentially a library. <laughs> 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 It's a building clad in hundreds of bindings, book bindings, with a glowing chandelier of book pages in the center of the roof, with a lot of benches and cushions and curiosity cabinets, things for participants to explore.
2: Nice. And so cool. it's not going to burn, is it?
3: Uh, no, that one is not
2: going to burn. Okay, Because burning books just still bothers me. I'm yeah, not totally against you. it, but it <laughs> still just kind of, it kind of gets at me. Um, all right, let's hear more about Unbound.
6: Well, the piece has been in progress for a year. We sort of jumped into it last February. We didn't know yet about the honorarium, but we found a a great studio. We decided to rent it because it was a building that was about to be torn down, so it was very cheap. Of course, then we all know what happened and felt like the rug was pulled out from under us and... It was depressing at first, but then it moved on into this, wow, aren't we lucky that we have this place we can bike to. And aside from being stuck in our house, we can go to this place and make art and felt really fortunate. And then a year later, you know, when the exhaustion hits, this existential exhaustion, as Annie Lamont calls it, um, it's hard again. And it's wonderful to do it bit by bit. I'm really enjoying the slowness of it. And that's not what projects are like, you know, for playa. They are intense seven-day-a-week, six-month things when you're building a big project. And I was so amped up for that last year. It's very hard finding that kind of intensity and energy right now. I love going in there, but I love to just slowly glue some things and then change my mind. It's not the way you usually work on a project. It's at a really interesting place. We even wonder, are we gonna be able to get this done? We have a couple volunteers who've been wonderful and come in every week, but we were having eight people in a day, three or four days a week. So it's a very different year compared to building temples or working with Michael Garlington on his projects.
4: Can you tell me a bit about the philosophy behind the piece?
6: Most of the people that respond to me about the piece Tell me about how they read a lot when they were little and how much they loved books. I wasn't that kid when I was little. I was very visual. I wasn't as big a reader. I sort of fell in love with libraries and rare book rooms in college and graduate school. I'd go to the rare book room in New York and at my university. Really, it's about the materials, the beauty, the physical, visual beauty of these old books that are being thrown out especially old books that have been scribbled in and written in and highlighted and have beautiful old linen on them that's faded. For me, going to the library sale here in Palo Alto every month, where there are something like 40,000 books a month, going, you know, entire professors' book collections, they have a sale on Saturday, then on Sunday it's discounted, then Monday nonprofits come in, and then Monday night everything's free. And I go in on Monday night and there's just all this beauty there. That's really where my interest comes. My father was a physicist, so I love math equations and physics. It's a very visual thing. I love books in other languages. I love things I can't read or understand. Instead of wanting to understand it, I'm just fascinated by how diverse the world is and how diverse people are in their abilities. This is highlighting human ability, really.
4: I love that. I love that. Honestly, Larry Harvey used to talk about spaces like that, like the Lyceum and the compendions of human knowledge. And I agree that things in other languages are beautiful.
6: I love that. My favorite place was going through the stacks at University of Michigan's Graduate Library and looking at all the Chinese books, because they had the largest Chinese collection outside of China. I was blown away that I was allowed to touch these books and look through them. No, I couldn't read anything, but they were just amazing objects. Beautiful. How did you find your way to Burning Man? I first heard about Burning Man in the 90s. And I remember thinking, oh, God, it's so sad that I have three children and I can't do this stuff. I just felt like that wasn't an option for me. I was too old. And then years later, when I had an art studio with a group of people. It was a large space in an old high school. One of the people there had been going to Burning Man for a while. She started saying, of course you're not too old. I just started asking her questions and doing my research. Burning Man was just this wonderful opportunity for me to make art. I got involved in several art projects, and the day I remember hearing about the temple build was David Best, and I really wanted to do that, and I was just too afraid to. I hadn't been yet. I wasn't even sure I was allowed to build the temple if I'd never been to Burning Man. And so I just let that pass by. And when I got to the burn, that was my greatest regret. When I saw that Temple of Juno, I was like, oh my God, this is beyond what I ever expected. Then the next time he built in 2014, I built with him. And from there, it just became a big part of our life, building and traveling with David to Ireland and Parkland, Florida and doing all these projects.
4: David Best is on film in at least two or three places saying, the minute you leave your house for Burning Man, you're already at Burning Man. But it sounds like you are kind of already having a Burning Man experience before you even left.
6: <laughs> I remember the day I drove up to Petaluma for the 2014 temple. It was the first day of gathering, and I was like, God, oh, I can't do this. I was just too scared. And the minute I got in the car, I was like so excited. All it took was getting in the car, getting on the freeway, and I was like, yes! It was just crazy from that day on. But, yeah, no, I think Bernie Man is it's, its more of a year-round thing. I try to keep it to more like six months, but it's become a little bit more of a year-round thing.
4: <laughs> Speaking of, we don't get to have Black Rock City again this year. The world is unfolding around our ears. What's going to happen to your artwork? Are you going to keep working on it slowly, or are you going to put it somewhere?
6: Um... We can finish it and complete it, and then we would essentially shrink wrap it, and we've had offers of places to put it. I don't think we'd install it outside because I don't want it to get too much sun before the burn, but we're absolutely going to do it for 22. That is an absolute. We will do it because we can. Sometimes I think I want the burn to happen so badly because I want Burning Man to survive and I miss it so much. And yet it seems like too much in this year of weirdness and slowness. It feels funny right now because I feel hopeful. And so you feel like we should be happy and ready to just go in there seven days a week. And I don't have that in me. This is a thing. This is a real thing. It's like the end of the pandemic, complete existential exhaustion. It feels like lots of people going through this. I've never made so much art. It's been, in that regard, the most amazing year. I finally realized that the studio is a little overwhelming. Everywhere I go, I have a different project going on. Like, this is the trim on the interior. This is the exterior. This is the pediment. This is the entablature. And I get in there, and I get overwhelmed, and I can't sometimes just sit and do my own work. So I moved into my dining room. I've just pulled a 10-foot table in there, and now every day I sit in my dining room with headphones on. Like, this is my office, people. Do not walk in here and start talking to me. I feel very fortunate in this time, but it's still hard. You know, it's hard for everybody.
4: Yeah, you can have two feelings at the same time. It can be easier on you than others and still be hard for you. It's easy to get into comparing and feeling like, what do I have to complain about? But we're all living through something really big. Right.
6: Yep, yep. And there's something very cool about that, too, to think about. The whole world is going through this in different ways. We're not in the same boat. Some of us are on yachts and some of us are sinking, but we are all sort of in this same storm, and that is a fascinating experience.
4: Even with our neighbors, much less around the world, which is Burning Man comes from all over the world. So, yeah,
6: right. Which is what I'd really miss this year. Even though I love the Big Burn, I'd be sad if it wasn't international because that's like my greatest joy is all these people I meet all these little run-ins that you have that teach you so much about the world. Be sad not to have that.
4: It would be. And a bunch of the art. There's a lot of international honorarium pieces that we hope that... We don't know what we hope, do we? (laughs) Anything could happen. But um, I can't wait to experience your work when it is ready. It's an amazing concept, and it's very beautiful. We all need to move through that emotional moment
6: I think probably more art has been made during the pandemic than ever before. Let's make art, no matter what. I'm amazed at how creative people are in their homes. I mean, the videos people are putting out are just mind-blowing. And the athletes who are working out in a room creating, like, skateboard parks in one bedroom and dancers dancing down the street. It's been phenomenal to see the resiliency, but it's also been tough. Yeah,
4: Yeah. true musicians collaborating remotely and and the visual there are friends who are doing storefront performances like inside the glass and it has been a very creative time it tends to be the case with times like this i suppose
6: i think things will be changed for a long time why not let everyone watch yeah more sharing well thank you so
4: so much for joining us i really appreciate your time today
6: thank you so much
2: Another project I know that everyone's pretty excited about is called The Solar Shrine. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, that's an amazing piece. The Solar Shrine, that's Antoine Lee from Chicago. His concept is an Afrofuturist artwork inspired by the magical realism of ancient Egypt. And it's going to have flame effects. And the plan is for it to be one of the big burns. It's a really cool looking piece.
2: All right. Andy got a chance to speak with Antoine. Let's uh, listen to some of that.
4: How did you find Burning Man? Or how did it find you?
0: Well, a fraternal brother of mine went to Burning Man every year for about 10 years. I was like, man, I want to go to Burning Man. He advised me to go to some regional events And he told me that that would help me to understand the big event and the culture. That was several years ago, and that was my introduction to the community.
4: And uh, you were already an architect when that happened. Did you already consider yourself an artist, too?
0: Yeah, sort of. Art is something I've been into for a long time. And to me, being an artist and an architect are pretty much the same thing. Architecture is like the highest form of art. And I've done many things in the arts community, from curating art events to sitting on committees and boards. One of my favorite areas is African spirituality, or what I would call like African deep thoughts. And this along with Afrofuturism and science fiction and mythology, I've helped to start nonprofit organizations, which I'm very proud of. One is the Conservatives of African Art and the other is the Yoruba Arts Foundation. Both of these were focused on traditional like African art from the continent. And then recently, like right now, and actually I feel really good because I just got my zoning approval today, because I'm designing a museum and cultural center for the Ethiopian Community Association of Chicago. And there I sit on the Arts Committee. And they primarily focus on refugee resettlement.
3: Fantastic. So
4: those are your themes that you really like to work in. You hadn't been to Black Rock City before you got invited to have a grant, though, right?
0: No, nope. this will be my first time going to Black Rock City.
4: Will you describe the shrine itself a little bit more for us?
0: Yeah, the Solar Shrine is an Afro-futuristic art installation, and it's based on ancient Egyptian and Nubian cosmology and symbolism. These cultures believe that the sun, Ra, was the giver of life on Earth and created the universe. So... The project is pretty, it, it looks like an Egyptian shrine, a temple. There's a gateway, the shrine structure itself, the solar bark, and then a smaller monument. The gateway is about 35 feet high. and has a gold disc at the top. The whole installation is oriented to align with the rising sun in the east in the morning. So it's like a homage to the sun. From the front, the gateway looks like two of bliss, portraying the axis symbolizing masculine and feminine energy. And then the shrine itself is pretty large. And that design is similar to what's called an ancient Egyptian architecture. It's like a mastaba, which is where the Egyptian people buried their dead. It's really a lot of symbolic architecture and geometry and things like that. So,
4: so you planned for Black Rock City 2021 and You assessed the placement of the shrine to align with the rising sun, specific constellations at night. Black Rock City is in a slightly different location every year. So how will that affect the placement of your piece in the Black Rock Desert?
0: Well, when we come back out to Black Rock City, I had already worked with a GIS expert to survey the terrain. So I knew like the distance that Black Rock City was from the surrounding mountain terrains. It still really wouldn't affect the positions of the sun or positions of the stars at night and all these alignments.
4: So what kind of site have you found to be able to do it instead?
0: Right now, we're working on the solar bark. The solar bark is the physical manifestation of rock. That piece is about 8 feet high, 12 feet long. Because Burning Man got canceled this year, We want to have virtual events similar to what we did last year, but even take it up another level. We want to like actually take the solar park out and have it be a part of different events like jazz events, different like Afrofuturistic events, events with other artists and just raise community involvement and awareness of the project.
4: So you can keep working on that in the meantime as you continue to build uh, the larger piece? Absolutely.
0: We're going to build the solar Bark, We're also going to work on other elements of the project as well.
4: Fantastic. As you're working with groups there, do you talk to people about it being associated
0: with Burning Man? Oh, absolutely. I have, and we will constantly talk about how the project is connected to Burning Man. The genesis of of the the Solar Shrine uh, actually came out of Chicago. But I think having it to go to a place like Burning Man is really great because many people have heard of Burning Man, but some people have not. So it works on both levels to talk to people who are familiar with the Burning Man community, but also to educate people who are not. So not having Black Rock City last year and having Burning Man be virtual was, you know, sort of a good thing in that we were able to reach out to the community, have a lot of events, and actually... Bring Burning Man to Chicago. I mean, there is a large burning community in Chicago, but more to inner city communities and neighborhoods. One of the things that we're working on right now is a workforce plan where we actually involve people who live in inner city communities like neighborhood the west side of Chicago, and they will be actively working on the project.
4: Like on the technology, on the building?
0: on the building side, on all sides, any side that they really want to assist That's awesome. I know
4: that you are an activist, a grassroots thinker. What are your philosophies around the solar shrine and the architecture of it?
0: That's a really good question. You know, I consider myself more like a deep thinker, someone who studied ancient history and archaeology, more specifically as it pertains to people of African descent. And so I see the Solar Shrine as a vehicle for healing and transformation. I see it as a prototype that can not only be a Burning Man, but could be anywhere else. That's cool. Chicago has a long history of grassroots initiatives with community organizing and music and art as well. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I see the, the Solar Shrine as a prototype of Afrofuturistic architecture connected with the spirituality of our ancestors. Chicago has a long history of great writers and poets, musicians, and artists who are people of color. Artists like Sun Ra, who was the first Afrofuturist, or writers like Richard Wright and Mahalia Jackson, the gospel music singer. You know, gospel music started in Chicago on the South Side at a church called Pilgrim Baptist Church. And I actually worked on the restoration of that project as an architect. Not to mention, more recently, like house music, which came out of the nightclubs in the 1970s, one of our initiatives is to bring the local Chicago culture and community to Burning Man. And we have many collaborators who are ready to go in 2022.
4: So will they come with your team and work on it with
0: you? Absolutely. We regularly go to support them at their events. We had a co-fundraising event back in March for Women's Month with two of the most prolific Female DJs in Chicago. So we do a lot of like community events, co-organized events, and things like that. And we're, there are going to be much more in the summer, so to give us opportunity to get new footage and stream them straight to the virtual platform. Awesome.
4: Tell me about the team that you're working with to build this piece in Chicago. Who's that?
0: Well, we have a bunch of people um, on my team who've gone to Burning Man each year for like, you know over the last decade plus and some of uh, my team members they volunteer for, for dpw and with fast at burning man some of my team members also did core projects at burning man as well so we have lots of experience understanding burning man culture and the environment you know chicago we have a bunch of doers so what i was able to do was bring the technical skills as an architect and the desire to build And then they have the Playa experience refusing that.
4: How many people you think it's going to take to build it?
0: Wow. I would say we'll have probably anywhere from 20 to 30 people to help to assist. Yeah.
4: Well, I sure look forward to seeing it.
0: Whenever that gets to be. (laughs) Oh, hopefully it's next year. We, 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 we don't, don't jinx it. That's another year. Well,
4: no, I mean, maybe, who knows? I'm, I'm a Missouri girl. Maybe I'll end up in Chicago and see pieces of it as you do whatever you're going to do this year.
0: Don't, oh, yeah, don't count
4: me out. That's all I'm saying. Oh,
0: no no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> oh, hold on one minute. Uh, friend. what do you think? She said it's good to go. Friend is like, she's on it. She says it's good to go. I need to shut up. <laughs> Definitely, he's on <honest> so. <laughs> I love all of these.
2: Yeah, I wish we had a 17 hour show that we could talk to every single one of these wonderful artists. We don't, but I'm not gonna call it until we get some time to talk to our friend, Leroy New in Manila. Gloria, what's the story with Leroy?
3: He is a renowned artist in the Philippines and we're really, really excited that he applied to bring art to Black Rock City. He's known for costuming and performances. He makes masks out of recycled materials. This year, his piece is called Mabuyan. It's a spherical installation, an architectural installation. It's representative of like a multiverse. It'll be interesting to see how he creates this piece.
2: All right, let's hear from Leroy. And let's make it one of those around-the-world calls where it's way too early on one end of the line and way too late on the other because, well, because time zones. Nice.
1: Sounds great. Yeah. Well, hi, Leroy. I'm Stuart. Hi. Hi, Stuart. How are you doing today? Tomorrow? Uh, Yeah. Whatever uh... day it is. It's uh, late evening on a Sunday. I work over the weekends, you know, being a, an independent freelancer. <laughs> so, yeah, the, so we- the
2: weekdays and
1: weekends are blurred into each other for me.
2: Same story here. <laughs> What's it like being an artist in the Philippines today? What's the scene like?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's very interesting compared to uh, everything else now that I'm able to get a global gauge I get a lot of information from different practices all over the world. But generally, we tend to be a bit more conservative. The Philippines in general is a young country. We've only been independent a little over a century. So we're catching up to the practices that are being embraced by the rest of the world. There is not much for government support. So a lot of the artists tend to create their own systems for production. We end up doing a lot of these hybrid ways of working that are not necessarily legitimate channels. The state has not found a way to properly absorb in a systematic way how creatives are practicing in the Philippines, mostly because of economic reasons they would say they would insist that there are more pressing issues like the economic stabilities and the urban poor is still substantial compared to like the rest of the different economic classes. Sure. And yeah, other, a whole lot of other pressing
2: issues supposedly that overshadows art support. So not a lot of government support. Actually, what you're describing sounds a lot like Burning Man art in general. Ah, We've been outsiders for so long. We've kind of created our own ecosystem, which you're now joining. Um, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about Mebuyan and what that project is going to be like. It doesn't sound conservative at all, by the way. It sounds pretty (laughs) radical.
1: Well, yeah, I guess that's why I end up being part of such platforms as Burning Man. I've decided that I create my own demand and create my own systems for working and mebuyan is the result of my venturing into public art initially as a way for me to survive as an art student by making myself visible i've decided that the local art scene was dominated still by the more cons- conventional art making practices like painting for example yeah. so so the language hasn't caught up yet when i was an art student for the more i guess what they would call avant guard art. But to me, it it just made sense to cultivate a means of art production where I get to directly relate to my audience in the public space, especially for a culture that does not necessarily go to museums and art galleries to enlighten themselves. That's kind of like an alien practice still that we're inheriting from our colonizers. Right. So Mebuyan is an extension, is the most recent manifestation of my venturing into public art and interactive
2: structures and spaces. Yeah, this is a large-scale interactive sculpture. Why don't you describe to people what it's like to walk through it?
1: Well, Mabuyan can be described as a cluster of spheres, which is supported by poles above the ground. And one can actually travel through these varying sized spheres and experience different sounds and colors and textures as they pass through these different spheres. It kind of looks like a bubble structure floating above the ground. And Mebuyan, the title for the piece, I'm referring to this goddess in Southern Philippine mythology, the Bagobo mythology. Mebuyan is this goddess of the underworld who is described as having breasts all over her body. Uh She looks like this because she nourishes the spirits of dead children in the underworld because we believe that even the souls in the afterlife have to undergo a journey still and that these spirits of dead children still need to be nourished to fulfill that journey they have to do in the afterlife.
2: Wow so a beautiful monster yeah (laughs) I understand that you have an interest in monsters is that some of your influences maybe come out of comic art? Yes
1: yeah a lot sci-fi comic books and maybe It has to do with my interesting relationship with Catholicism in the Philippines. We're very conservative. Catholicism is something that we inherited from our first main colonizers, the Spanish. We're always taught as kids to have this delineation between the divine and monsters and demons. And so my particular attraction to demons was kind of like a personal one. I'm also like a queer artist so that's something i had to grapple with as a kid growing up in a highly conservative catholic upbringing sure my first trip to burning man was back in 2019 that had to do with them agreeing to get me to do a big work because when i went to burning man i understood you have to be there to understand what it's like to work there
2: (laughs) right yeah We don't like artists to just look at it on the postcard version and then show up. (laughs) There should be some strange surprises. You had a global arts grant before that though, right? Yes. Yes, I did.
1: So at that time, I think that was back in 2014, when we heard about the Burning Man Global Arts Project, me and my friend, Julian Abriha, we do these urban activations through installation and interactive structures. And... Burning Man was something that we've always encountered and we aspired for in terms of the scale and the effect that it has to transform sites. You know, the idea of going to Burning Man was such a distant thing in my mind. It was kind of absurd to be able to actually do something for Burning Man. Yeah. So we, we sort of like settled, hey, we can write this Burning Man Global Arts Project. And we were just, just extremely happy that we were selected as one of the grantees That proposal actually came to fruition. It manifested in the form of a floating island that traversed one of the main rivers, one of the main waterway features. Yeah, the Pasig Metro Manila, the Pasig River, yes. That was fun. I did not realize that years after this would
2: happen. (laughs) So that was your introduction to the Burning Man art world. Tell me about that experience out on the playa, out in the desert. What was it that drew you to say, yes, I think I do want to do an installation out here? Because it's (laughs) it's not a very friendly place. I know,
1: yeah, it's not. But I do have some supportive friends who've convinced me to actually propose. And then we (laughs) decided that we would propose together because it's a very daunting, intimidating task. And I've done a lot of large scale projects myself, but it's a whole different animal up there. But, you know, I don't back out on the challenge. My first time, when the first night that I was there, it was like such a surreal moment for me because up until that time, people were sending me images of it, telling me, hey, you're, you're, I can see your work here, stuff uh-huh. like that. And, you know, but it, it was never really a thing that I decided like, I would make work there because like, I never set goals like that. I would just do work and do it well and then see where it goes. And then this thing happens. The pandemic, it will inform how some spheres will look for the Mebuyan vessel, actually. So, so there's a little bit of evolution for the work because of the pandemic. How the bubbles now can be seen as isolation pods yeah. you know that keep people from each other, like a visual manifestation of this
2: social distancing that we've been implementing all over. Right. We're not able to build Black Rock City in Nevada this year, but yeah. the, uh, the art grants were funded anyway. What's your backup plan? Where do you think you might build Meboyan? We have a lot of space here. I think I have friends who are more
1: than willing to have Meboyan set up, probably near a beach or like in the middle of a farmlands. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, what's important is the work gets made. The work is designed to be traveled and toured I think it's it's quite flexible in terms of the uncertainty of what may
2: come I'm thrilled that you are going ahead with the project no matter what it sounds like it's really going to be fun I'm gonna have fun making it (laughs) that's (laughs) thank you if it's not fun why do it right
1: yeah Uh, exactly
2: (laughs) well thank you so much for dropping in on the show today I really appreciate it Leroy thank you so much Gloria, you know, some of these I'm sure were designed to be site-specific, and they're going to be done on other sites. How's that working out?
3: I think a lot of these pieces are going to work really well in context outside of Black Rock City. Burning Man art is all over the world already. You know, there are so many pieces that have been to Black Rock City, have found their way into civic settings and regional events and all kinds of other places. I know that there are some civic settings where it's more problematic to have things that people can climb all over or fall off of, that kind of thing. So some structures might work better than others, but there's certainly an advantage to Black Rock City, the things that people are able to do and how they're able to interact with the art, because those help people to really experience the art in the ways that the artist intended. What was it like for
4: you guys to be able to call and say, hey, here's a beacon of hope no matter what? What did that feel like?
3: Oh, my God, how exciting is that, right? To be able to say, yeah, we just had a disappointing announcement, but guess what? Keep on keeping on and let there be art.
4: If there's ever been more evidence that Burning Man isn't just a single place and that it can really be an experience that can happen in a lot of different contexts, it can be anywhere, anytime.
2: Yeah, it's going to be in at least 59 places in various states and countries around the world. And every one of those, when it gets a Burning Man art installation, is going to be Burning Man, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Gloria Beck. Thanks for all your on the street reporting, Andy Grace. I believe that that concludes another episode of Burning Man Live. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. Uh, big thanks to Jen, to Antoine, to Jules, to Leroy, and good luck, my friends, with your installations wherever on this big blue marble they land. And please keep making art; the world needs it now more than ever. Thank you for all that you do. Real credits: Burning Man Live is a production of the philosophical center of burning man project made possible by listeners like you who throw a few bucks over the transom at donate.burningman.org thank you very much our producers are andy grace michael vav and yours truly stuart mangrove thanks larry